Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours, the international worldwide edition of Office Hours with my friend Blaine Bartlett, BlaineBartlett.com. He went back to the original Mindset Mastermind logo. There we go. Yeah. Are we revamping today with uh, the MM logo? What's going on with the Mastermind? Well, the Mastermind, we're getting ready to relaunch it. Uh, you know, the last uh, 12 months for this last cycle is just finishing up. So we're going to take about a month hiatus, and then we're going to retool and launch again. So, oh, well, there's nothing that has a greater impact for me and my community. And I tell you, the people that you're working with that I know have only unbelievable quantitative things to say, how they've changed uh, their mindset. And uh, I'm blessed to have you working with some of my people and it's changed my bottom line so th thank you so much uh and besides mentoring me i uh can see how this scales so if you're at all interested they're coming up in a new season of the mindset mastermind please email blaine or just go to blainebartlett.com uh the mindset mastermind is extraordinary speaking of mindset we got a special guest here from the midwest chicago-based marketing and media agency man himself Spencer Hademan, AdvantageMarket.com, M-A-K-T, by the way. Um, and Spencer, I want to talk about your interest in golf. You know, sure. it's, uh, it's a unique space when you're talking about having such an extraordinary uh, agency that, you know, your focus or your passion seems to be in the golf space uh, and even companies related to golf. I saw Stance was on there and they're close friends of mine, uh, the founder of Stance here. I, mm -hmm. I'm in San Juan Capistrano, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it, it's really interesting how people take a passion and, and make it the backdrop to their skills, their knowledge and desire. What type of influence has golf had, not just on your passion, but on your skills and your knowledge and your career? <clears throat> well, I think golf has played a huge part in it. I think that, number one, I was lucky that I – my whole, I've played my whole life. I was taught by my grandfather at a young age. So, you know, you, you try not to ever lose uh, that muscle memory and that hand-eye coordination. Are you from the Midwest? Yeah, I am. I'm from Chicago originally. And yeah, I have a question. How, how is it that guys from Minnesota and Chicago are better than people from California when we can play all year <laughs> round? Is it because we're not practicing enough? What, what's, the real, what's the real inside scoop on that? Well, I mean... It depends, but I would say, yeah, I think that that's part of it is like, you know, if you're really a passionate golfer, you're inside, you know, working on track, man, working on your game. And, and, you know, I think that a lot of people that are spoiled with good weather are just like, the weather is perfect. I just got to go, I got to go play. And, yeah. uh, and I think also maybe when you live in areas that have four seasons, sometimes you just appreciate it more. Very Ooh, good. That's a good point, man. Yeah. Lane, speaking yeah, of good yeah, weather, you got something for uh, Spence here? Well, yeah, I'm just, you know, what, two days ago we played the blue course. I'm up to YLA right now. And, uh, yeah, I was supposed to be on the gold course today, but office hours got a new way. Sorry. <laughs> no Jewish guilt from Lane, but you're you're, yeah. you're worth it, Spencer. He, he hasn't been showing up when it's just me, but now that you're here, he showed up. Yeah. No, I, I, people that care about golf tend to want to talk to me more more than ever and you know it's uh they they have all these questions and they they want to know a lot more and uh you know i'm just lucky to be in the industry even from a peripheral well yeah just from the standpoint i mean we're talking about weather here the four seasons and whatnot and, and i know 
Yeah, just in my own experience growing up in the Northwest, uh, we had four seasons. Uh, so I would be inside practice on the swing uh, rather than out on the course playing and not really paying attention to my swing. And where this is going here, this question, yeah, golf accessory brand, you know, your Talon brand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. Talk a little bit about why you, you know, cause you know, the, the, there's a lot of brands out there with golf mm-hmm. accessories. What, what makes Talon so unique and how do you leverage that with what you're doing with uh, advantage marketing? Yeah. So it, it's an interesting backstory. And, you know, I, I started advantage uh, marketing in 2015 and we've, become the number one golf property and resort marketing company in the world, to be honest. Uh, I think by the end of the year, we'll have close to 100 properties that we market. <clears throat> and we also do a lot with e-commerce. Like we've worked with Stance. Uh, Stance hired me when I was a one-person company. Um, and our sat- we have a satellite office within their um, campus in San Clemente as well. We do all the e-commerce marketing for Hello Kitty in San Rio in North America. And we've, we've worked with some other um, e-commerce focused brands as well. And so I got to the point in my career where we're starting to get recognition, we're starting to win awards. But when you run an advertising and marketing media firm, unless you have something proprietary in terms of technology, it's difficult to scale because it really is a relationship based business in, in some, some regards. And talent came about because I came to the realization that, okay, if we know how to, if we're really good at marketing to golfers and we're really good at e-commerce marketing, what if we started a brand that was direct to consumer that ran out of the agency without any employees that were employed by talent? So talent has zero rent overhead, zero employees, and as a separate company and corporation that I keep completely separate, it, you know, all the marketing and, and fulfillment and customer service is run by employees of Advantage Marketing. So the difference is like our, we're trying to disrupt that direct to consumer business in a different way where we have a different business model. Where in the past, there's been brands that have developed. And they've had ad agencies that, that they've then gone and bought the ad agency versus the ad agency starting the brands internally. And so that's that's where talent came about. And so, you know, we offer really high quality products at, at very low cost. So I think the biggest hurdle is just convincing people that the, in, in a high luxury industry, yeah. that the product and price, the pr- product quality doesn't match the price. We're just passing on our savings and not having overhead to the consumer. And you also have a built-in cannibalized customer base, considering you have so many golfers and golf resorts that are aligned uh, in that relationship capital and the pool of interest uh, in the communication that is also uh, leveraged and and paralleled while you're building the marketing agency, not just for you, but for your clients. And I'm sure it's been exponential in its acceleration of being able to raise the awareness to the golf accessory, high quality uh, products that you're able to not only uh, save money on in the overhead and et cetera, but also in the distribution. And then on top of it, some of the most expensive stuff is the marketing. And so uh, you're you know, really creating huge margins and at least a competitive advantage if you don't want to take away the huge margins. Uh, that, you know, I can't see any other golf accessory brand competing with. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's the goal. And obviously, I'm passionate about the game. I'm passionate about business. And I'm passionate about, you know, at the end of the day, like part of our mantra at Talent or as a, as a company is like, save money in your gloves and other things and like go spend it on lessons, go spend it on playing beautiful courses, go spend it on, go spend it on know, Travis all, Matthew, all the driver that you think is going to fix your swing, <laughs> even though it's not, you know, and like that that's like, we're not trying to get into the equipment business. Like we're just trying to like a glove at the end of the day is a disposable product. So yeah, no, 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 no. Ball, balls are disposable for sure. <laughs> it depends how you play. The way I play. Go, go, golf balls are the only gift you can give that everybody expects for you to lose. So uh, <laughs> it's the only gift I ever give that I know my friends are going to lose eventually, at least, or ruin for sure. Uh, <laughs> what else? What else plugs and plays into that model? I'm sure you seem like an extraordinary business mind and. Uh, you've built a differentiator in the market. You've built a model that scales, but it seems as if you can now plug and play other things into it. Do you have a pipeline of other solutions? Yeah, I actually, well, the, to test out the theory, I had bought a um, direct-to-consumer watch brand that was a distressed asset that was going out of business and concurrently bought that and ran it at the same time as starting Talon. And, but I held it for 11 months sold off the inventory that we bought because I acquired the company for less than the cost of the inventory that I was getting in the deal. And so I just went through the inventory and I never re-upped, but I learned a lot of lessons, customer service, fulfillment, things of that nature. And the reason why I didn't hold on to it or grow is because that the lifetime value of a customer versus the acquisition cost wasn't worth it. There was a ceiling, um, for that. And it was a male focus or unisex watch. And, you know, if I really wanted to grow that brand, I'd have to roll out a lot of different types of accessories and SKUs and, and do it differently. But to answer your question, I mean, what we're trying to do in the future is not just talent, but any, any type of product that has physically a lightweight, meaning we can keep shipping costs down and a high margin is anything that we'd be willing to try this model with because since we are running the actual it's not drop ship so we actually hold inventory here in chicago at our offices and because when you get in the drop ship game it, it just is going to run into so many headaches with customer service and brand loyalty and things like that but the reason why i say lightweight is one shipping costs and two, like, especially what we saw with everything going on with the ports and overseas and bringing in product and everything like that, that's one thing, shipping costs the other, but two, it doesn't take up a lot of space at our offices. Again, if we grow it and scale it and we need to get our own warehouse, I hope we cross that bridge, right? That's hope. But right now, like you're talking about how do I replicate the business model, that's, I'm looking for anything that's like that. Yeah, circling, circling back to Advantage, this is a, as a full-service uh, marketing and media agency. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the number one you know, agency you know, worldwide for the, the resorts that you talk about, you know, the golf you know, world in, in particular. This show was originally titled The Soul of Business, Office Hours and Soul of Vision, uh, Soul of, uh, The Soul of Business uh, episode. How would you describe the soul of um, Advantage Marketing? 
such that it is such a such that it's a differentiator that has positioned you as number one. I would say, if you're looking for like one word adjectives, I would say scrappy. I would say resourceful. I would say, you know, I've never been asked that question before, but I, I think the soul of our company is that we judge our success based on our, our companies and our client success, you know, and I think we're, we're well ingrained in, in their happiness and, and their success. And I, and I think, you know, the number one thing in, in this world, when you work in a professional service is relationships. And that's why our company is successful. And that's why we're going to continue to grow and, and, take it as far as we can, because I believe if you're genuinely invested in both my employees' relationships, the relationships with each other, our clients, helping our clients, going the extra mile, not nickel and diming people, things like that, like you're going to succeed. And and at the end of the day, it's about people sticking with you and people referring you. Great. Yeah. No, I, it is always about the people, especially in marketing. And as a last question, Spencer, you know, I'm a traditional media person. You know, I ran the most notable sports agency, a sports marketing company worldwide. So I come from, you know, over 30 years of traditional marketing. And now the last five years, utilizing digital marketing um, to leverage, modify, amplify, and perpetuate a traditional content or an essence or an energy. Um, one of the things that's notable is you are a traditional media solution for a lot of big brands on top of the complimentary digital side of it. Um, how do you still utilize traditional media and at what percentage? And do you see that relationship on the digital side uh, being able to leverage as I do the traditional or are you moving away for any traditional solutions? Well, I, I think the number one thing I do is we don't have any cookie cutter approaches. So every client and even sub brands or sub clients within clients have their own clientele, consumer, whatever it may be. And so there's no cookie cutter approach. There's no like high level strategic like movement. I think that it depends on who their tar- target customer and audience is and their goals of a a campaign in terms of traditional digital. I mean, the the reality is that, I mean, to answer, you know, one of your questions there, I would say digital media probably makes up about 60% of our revenue. Traditional is probably Mm -hmm. like 30 and then creative services are probably 10%. Um, But I, I think in general, it really goes into, you know, who the audience is and most of the most successful campaigns are ones that utilize elements if budget allows for traditional and digital plays. And, you know, even when we say traditional media, like to give you an example, like when we do Hulu campaigns or other OTT streaming campaigns, that's traditional media does. When we do Spotify or Pandora or whatever, we say that's a traditional campaign. We, we bucket that as a radio campaign. So, even though some people would be like, oh, that's digital, to us, that's traditional media. It's just that media has evolved. 
I love it. Well, if you're as old as Blaine and I, we would talk about billboards and uh, TV. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I don't ever worry. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I went to uh, Blaine's mindset mastermind. I know that worrying's a wasted emotion. So don't worry. We, we, we don't worry. That's for sure. Anyway, uh, we are impressed and uh, we want to congratulate you on your success. And I love the way that people can take a passion, make it a purpose and turn it into a profitability. And you have a great way of thinking outside the box and looking at the actual market, the market makers and the margins while you're distributing that passion to so many different people, including the clients, as well as the distributors and uh, the brand. So congratulations for accumulating and aggregating all of those in one, Spencer. Spencer Hadelman, an incredible entrepreneur, CEO and founder of Advantage Marketing. Go to AdvantageMRKT.com. They are one of the top in the world and uh, making it well-known with some really big names and really big brands. Congratulations. Go go enjoy the Chicago weather, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You got it. Take care. I'll stay out of your stance, yeah. friends. Take care. Thank you. Right on. What a great entrepreneur. Good stuff. Yes, yeah. I love stories like this. I really do. He's uh, taking something that you love and then actually building your life around it, not just your business, but your life. That's yeah. It rocks. Yeah. I love he started, you know, just a single guy with one client, Stance, the Sox company, and you know, just keeps creatively collaborating and coordinating a business with more and more margins. And those are the type of mindset uh, movements that are going to create mm -hmm. success during a downturn or what I call an accelerated changing market. I don't like to put any negative energy into yeah, downturning. It's accelerated, I just accelerated, accelerated change. change. Accelerated change. Speaking of accelerated change, we got Les here. Leslie Winston. I, I, you know, I wanted to say Winston so bad. My dad used to smoke Winston's, and uh, that's why he's it no is, longer with us. It is. It is. It is. I, you can call me Winston. That's my name. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, I'm glad that my team. I'm glad that my team is still making errors and mistakes because I keep on telling them that mistakes are what we learn from, and I'm glad they have less Winston here. Uh, but it's Winston. Thank you. I'm glad you corrected me. The chairman of Endow America Network Foundation, yep. socialsecharity.org. Um, and, you know, that term, SE Charity, I'm very, very, <laughs> very, you know, Blaine and I have dedicated our lives uh, in the charitable side of things. We wrote a book called Compassionate Capitalism. Um, and so for you, obviously, coming from where you are, uh, Empowering others to give back is a big part of what you do. What is the differentiating the bold new way uh, to actually utilize this social security uh, that you've created? Well, social security actually defines three charitable vehicles that the Congress put into the Internal Revenue Code back in 1969. Uh, it defines a way for individuals to get income just as social security provides income after investing over many years, social security does the thing, same thing. But the major difference is that when the individual passes on with a social security account, the corpus that's left behind is distributed to charities that that individual wanted to support. Whereas with Social Security, when they pass, the money just disappears into the nether netherland of, of government. So we 
coined that term to define those three vehicles. Huh. Mm-hmm. Now, and, part of what this is, you know, leverage is, is, is section 664. So for the folks in the audience here, can you talk a little bit about, yeah, give us, giving you know, some context here. What is section 664? And that's not, yeah, the IRS. Well, section, section 664 makes a bargain with the people. The basic bargain is that if you do something good for charity when you die, we'll give you lower taxes while you're alive. That's the basic bargain. That was, that's been true since 1969. The problem is that nobody's publicized it. Nobody's made it known. So the way it works is if you have a 664 trust, you basically have the same kind of vehicle as if you had a pension plan or a profit sharing plan or a 401k plan or an IRA. But you don't have the same restrictions that qualified plans have. You have unrestricted values that can be built in this charitable device. And basically what I look at, I call it 664 equals E squared. You know, I had, I had a show where I was talking about Einstein's daughter and she, uh, you know, it reminded me of his uh, theory of relativity, e, e equals MC squared. And I said, you know, this is the same kind of thing. 664 equals E squared. And what that means is that 664 represents endowment. E is endowment. And it endows two parties. It endows the individual donor by giving them income for life. And it endows the community when that individual passes. In addition to that, it allows for tax-deductible transactions and tax-free transactions while the individual is alive and can use the 664 because it's multi-purpose. So the and the problem is, uh, you know, we everybody knows what a 401k is. It's been it's been promoted, but this has never been promoted by government. This has never been promoted by anybody except. Really, the ultra-rich in the country have been using this for many years because they could afford the advisors who would tell them how to do this kind of planning. So it is intricate. And so uh, what we're doing to teach social security and 664 planning is we've set up a three-hour continuing education course for life insurance agents and financial advisors to teach them how these devices can play into their planning for their clients and help them tremendously by increasing the amount of income that they'd be able to receive, reducing the taxes that they have to pay on transactions, and also providing for the community at the end of life. And that's where the endowment comes in. Uh, If they had done this, if they had promoted this properly in 1969, by now we would have a huge endowment that would be supporting, not I'm talking about a central endowment, I'm talking about endowments in the individual nonprofit world where those resources are available to help support that nonprofit. Because if nonprofits have to go out and raise money, or if they have to go get grants from government, that's drawing away from their ultimate objective. And that's and that's a negative. So we're trying to do a couple of things. We want to endow America because if we endow America, we'll take the burden off of government. And the other thing is we think we can reduce national debt by doing that because it'll free up that type of capital. And it'll also help the communities provide services on a much better, more economical, more efficient basis because it'll be sustainable. And you know, you know, first of all, uh, Leslie, I have to tell you, you look like uh, our friend who used to be the chairman of Unstoppable Foundation, which I'm the now uh, chairman of and Blaine's on the board. 
but you look like Ronaldo. Uh, our, our <laughs> oh, I got, no wonder I got the name wrong. You look like Ronaldo. Um, but and I miss him. So any, anyway, uh, you'll never know how much I miss him. Uh, but more importantly, uh, it's interesting because, you know, take ERC, for example, today is something that I'm trying to raise awareness of the employee retention credit. It seems that, you know, a lot of the governmental assistance that really can help uh, with small business or build wealth, you know, studying asset-based lending and IULs and annuity in the financial advisor world that you're in. And here I am uh, on a 16-year journey after losing $100 million of trying to know about how the rich get richer. And I didn't even pronounce let alone your last name, Charity, right? Right. So, so Charity has been around since the year after I was born, not to age myself. Um, why is it that we can't get the education of our advisors uh, to help not only the very wealthy, but also build wealth for the middle class through some of these vehicles, you know, like annuities and IULs and social security uh, because we don't require great wealth. They require compound interest and habitual discipline with financial literacy. But it seems to me that we put ourselves into a $30 trillion hole and there's many mechanisms that good government has put into place but we haven't effectuated educating our advisors to help the people take advantage of them. Well, you know, the government is in business. <laughs> That's one of the problems. And uh, for me... To me, to have, a non, to have the government support a non-governmental organization, that's an oxymoron. Uh, I don't know why that occurs the way it does in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the numbers that it does, but that has to stop. And the only way that's going to stop is if you replace it. If you replace it and you benefit the community and the individual donors by giving them income, you're making the world a better place and human kindness can, can be expanded. So, you know, government... Government likes to collect tax, um, but the Honorable Learned Hand said in one of his appellate decisions, you're not duty-bound to pay the most of the law it extracts. You have the right and privilege to reduce your taxes as much as legally possible. And people just don't know that they can do things that benefit themselves and benefit the community. One of the most important aspects of this, and I was, I drew a diagram today on my uh, webcast because I... Uh, I interviewed a, a young lady, a 15-year-old lady. Her name is Sonica uh, Katari, and she has created a Money Matters course for students of her age. She started when she was 13 years old, recognizing the importance of education, of the financial literacy education to individuals. And um, what, I, what I showed her was how a 664 trust actually could benefit her over her entire lifetime because it helps, it would help her to accumulate money. When I was treating it as if it was like tithing or tzedakah in the Jewish religion, giving each year, giving something each year to accumulate. And the difference is that when you accumulate it that way for charity, charity is going to get it at the end of your life. But during your lifetime, what you've accumulated will help to support you. So you're doing two people a real service, yourself and the community. And that is a purpose. That's a good thing for people to look at. And I think that the fact that they can see what they're growing, know what it's worth, have, you know, have direction over it. Cause they basically act as the, if you, if, if an individual is age 13, they can have their own trust. It, they may require an L, an older person to be the trustee in the initial stage, 
but eventually they'll take over the trusteeship. They'll be the income beneficiary and they'll control how the money gets invested inside that 664, much like it was an IRA and so on. IRAs can be attacked. And uh, I've seen that many, in many cases where, you know, folks have accumulated money. And then when, uh, when the COVID hit, uh, they, t- they ran and they made loans against their, their plans or they borrowed money from their plans. And that's self-destructive. So I treat this as if you're giving it away. It's like tithing, it's like tzedakah. You're not going to see it anymore, but it's going to help you by producing income for you for the rest of your life. So it's a real simple process, but it requires some, um, no governmental approval. It just requires the public's appreciation for those numbers 664. We can get them to know what 664 is, when to use it, and that it's a value to them. We can get it done that way. Well, we need to educate more people in this That's, respect. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I always call it, uh, the younger we get to people, we give a, a special benefit to, and I call it the extra double. I'm a student of Einstein. And so uh, my wife always says, what do you mean, you know, we started their kids when they were born, uh, you know, giving investment to them and understanding the extra double. And I said, you understand determined upon when they get to be 60 or 70 years old, that extra double really means a lot. If you go from 2 million to 4 million or 4 million to 8 million or 8 million to 16 or hopefully 100 million to 200 million, Mm -hmm. just executing on the same model, that extra double can create generational wealth. And we need to give that to our youth, that extra double, which gives, you know, just an incredible opportunity to help our communities and help our world. I definitely want to get you in touch uh, as chairman of our uh, charity and also, of course, the Chief Chancellor of Junior Achievement, which we're the seventh largest NGO in the world. Uh, I think this is a great tool to give as well and to allocate an endowment for our charity and others. So where can people find you uh, the best place to learn more about social, social charity? <laughs> well, they go to the socialsecharity.org website. That's socialsecharity.org website. Uh, if you go to that website, you'll see a series of buttons which will take you to more information about Social Security. There's uh, information there about pooled income funds, which is one of the other types of, uh, of uh, charitable vehicle. And charitable gift annuities is the third type. All of those are types that provide tax deduction. They provide tax-free growth. And they allow for income to be distributed at the uh, uh, based on the value of those accounts. So uh, we think those are invaluable tools and they can find more about that on socialcharity.org. They can also find our radio show uh, where we um, have uh, been broadcasting the interviews that we've been doing. In fact, your interview, I think, was on this week, David. Uh, yeah, so uh, we introduced um, your book and we did get a couple of requests for books, so that was good. Uh, anyway, it was really, um, I thought... The message that we combine uh, has 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 real resonance. Uh, we we believe in getting people to their genius. Uh, that's the ultimate top of the pyramid of what we call confidence pyramid. And if we get people to work at their genius, which means that's something they like to do twenty four hours a day, never get tired of it. It's like what I'm doing right now. I could do this for twenty four hours a day. If you ask me to talk about this stuff twenty four hours a day, I would talk about twenty four hours a day. I are doing it, but I can tell you there are some things that I used to do when I would work at them for half an hour, I'd fall asleep. 
But genius is really beautiful. So in order to get to your genius, though, you have to have confidence over your money, your time, your relationships. You need to have the spiritual bent, and then you can work at your genius. And that's our approach to, to the whole human being. And I think you do the same kind of work. So I'm looking forward to working with you uh, in the future. I think it should be very interesting. Absolutely. We'll have Blaine come on your show as well. Uh, you'll learn the source of all the information and the mentorship that I've gotten through his genius. And we can pass it down to more and more people. Absolutely. Les, thank you so much for my lack of pronunciation, but also my love for you and everything you do for <laughs> America and creating that network and foundation for all of us. Check yeah. it out, socialcharity.org. You have the site listed below. We look forward to being of service to you. Thank you for joining us. Yep. Take care, gentlemen. Thank you, you very much. Thank you, Les. You bet. Good Thank to meet you, you Les. Take care. Uh, All right. Yeah, I would love to talk with him. You know, I know we've got uh, uh, Barry coming on here real quick, but I would love to talk to him about you know, how he's educating the general public, the mindset of people, so that they can actually move into recognizing that a charitable philanthropic mindset doesn't require a lot of money. Right. As a matter of fact, yeah, if you don't have a lot of money, that's probably one of the easiest, quote unquote, easiest, but definitely one of the most effective ways to begin accumulating a lot of money is to work from a mindset of philanthropy. It's, Absolutely. it's just amazing how that works. Well, speaking of time, we're back on to Time Concepts and ProTech Watches, the managing partner <laughs> of ProTechWatch.com. And I know we had a, a beginning interview with a, a watch dabbling, and now we have the king himself, Barry Cohen, on here with the all-terrain watches. And, uh, you know, I think his watches are more suited for what's going on today than anything else. It's kind of like the transformation of clothing and then the transformation of shoes. Uh, the watches have followed right alongside of uh, being able to withstand the different uh, experiences that people are having today other than sitting in the bank. Um, and there's a different kind of watch uh, that bankers uh, need to wear compared to most of us, especially now with remote working and remote playing. Uh, there's much more demanding circumstances on what we expect from a watch. Uh, Barry, welcome to Office Hours. Well, first of all, David, thank you for having me. It was an excellent segue you did there, by the way. And uh, <laughs> nice to see you again. I don't think I've seen you in four or five years, so nice to see you oh, again. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, good to see you. I felt the same way about Les. I was like, he, he blew me away. He looked like Ronaldo. And I'm like, I think I know Barry pretty well. But it's, his, hat, his hat's on, and I got a little shaded on the face. Like, I think that's the same guy. So great to see you as well. Barry, you gave me ProTech hats. I actually have, uh, if I remember correctly, some ProTech hats that I have no, worn. It can't be, can't be Lumin ProTech because that's brand Luminex, 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 right? My old business. Luminox, yeah. Luminox. I, okay. Very good. Anyway, let's talk about the watch business right, because well, a lot well, of people well, thought well, that. First, uh, first thing I have to say is I'm a little jealous of, of Blaine's locale. Yeah, me wow. too. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Blaine, I can't. I, I can't see my Rolex in the dark, but I don't need to. I just get up and go. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing Hawaii with that background. Yeah, yeah they like, I'm going to London. I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to Dubai. I'm going to Kenya. And I'm like, hey, what about uh, Dave and Julie? You know, where, where's our invite? This is incredible. I'm stuck in my god. I'm stuck in my goddamn closet, Barry. I'm in my closet. Uh, it's crazy. This guy is traveling everywhere. Anyway, Barry. You know, the watch business from the time I've known you has changed. And I, and I was told the watch business was going to die because of cell phones, that nobody was going to wear any watches anymore. 
And yet your company's growing and the interest in what's going on in the Watts business is, is to me very exciting. Why do you think it is that people, you know, haven't, you know, turned away from wearing watches, even though our phones have what time it is? Yeah. Well, first of all, I can address there were, there were two moments where uh, the watch industry experienced some dips. And when I say the watch industry, I mean the conventional analog watch world. Uh, one of the moments was certainly the advent of the smartwatch. Uh, you know, when Apple can sell, I believe it was 5.7 million watches in a period of 18 months, become the second biggest watch company in the history of watches, that kind of upsets the Apple card a little bit. Things like that take generations normally. But then again, you know, what is Apple? It's, uh, it's, the, it's as Goliath as Goliath gets. And, you know, very few companies have the wherewithal or the capability to do something like that. So that did impact analog watches for sure. Um, uh, the, other, the other thing was the cell phone that you mentioned. And I'll give you a little anecdote of my son. And if I jump around a little bit, I'm sorry, I'm ADD. But uh, when my son graduated eighth grade, I gave him a very nice uh, Swiss watch, review Toman as a gift. Said, this is a beautiful watch, wear it at the right moments. He, of course, had some of my Luminox because Luminox was my business at the time. He, I noticed he wore a watch through the, about the end of 10th grade and then stopped wearing a watch. And if you have kids, you know, the last thing you want to do is push because they're going to push back. So I didn't do that. I simply asked, hey, Michael, I noticed you used to wear a watch and you're not wearing one anymore. Why not? He goes, well, Dad, I don't really need it. I have my cell phone. Okay. Cut to four years later. He's uh, a senior in college getting ready to... Uh, leave college, go into the watch world, uh, into the work world. And I see he's wearing a watch most of the time, takes a job out of college and he's wearing a watch every day. And so I innocently asked again, uh, I thought you didn't really need a watch because you have your cell phone. And his answer was, uh, and I think this definitely applies across the board. His answer was, yes, my cell phone gives me time, probably more accurate than any watch is going to give me. But for a guy, a watch says a little something about who you are. It's an expression of who you are. Women have many, many ways to express themselves, whether it's shoes or, uh, or uh, fashions and clothing or hairstyles or uh, handbags, or I mean, go down the list, jewelry. Guys really don't have that many ways to say, this is who I am. And for that reason, I, I never believe that the analog watch business will be in jeopardy. It'll always be a way for a guy to say, this is me. This is who I am. Love it. So oh, Blaine's and, muted there. Hold on, let's unmute him. Yeah, there, there, there we go. go. Yeah. yeah, I got it. There we go. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, the, the same can be said about you know automobiles. I mean, automobiles. I mean, as a as a statement of identity, uh, not just as a vehicle of transportation, but as a statement of identity, particularly for men. Is, yeah. You know, that, that a lot of a lot of buying decisions are predicated on that. No, you're, you're right about that. You know, and, and for guys, there were other things. If we go back 20, 25, 30 years, remember the writing instrument was a very hot category and people had fountain pens yep. and so forth. But that business kind of disappeared. That was another way to express yourself. It didn't disappear. It fell on softer times. Um, you know, and it's gotten to the point where there's just not that many things. And another thing that has seemed to come along as a way for a guy to say, this is me, is the notion of facial hair or a goatee or something like that. Because also, if we go back 30 or some odd years, most people didn't have that. So, you know, this is just another way to say, this is who I am. And, and that's fine. Um, mm -hmm. 
But we're we're running out of ways to you know what to give for bar mitzvah gifts. I gotta tell you, with the pens <laughs> and the watches, and it, it's very hard to give a significant lifetime substantial identity of uh, that bonding moment. Uh, uh, but the the watch today also has another functionality. We're very active in, in pro-tech, especially fit the genre beyond an identity um, in the identity of, you know, this rugged or, or, you know, different industries and careers are identified by your watch, right? There's like talked about bankers wear certain watches, you know, military people, police officers, first responders, uh, you know, tri- triathletes wear certain watches. Protech has its own genre and its own identity. What are some of the, those demographics that are, you know, completely aligned with the Protech brand? All right. So first of all, David, this is a brand new brand. So we're still, you know, finding our way in terms of getting onto the risks that are our that are our target market. But let me back up a little bit. If Let's get one on the podcasters, man. Where, where's my Protech? We'll get a podcast genre going. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it going here. Easily done if you can hang tight about a week and a half. They're just arriving. All right. Thank you. Perfect. But but uh, to give you just a little background, and David, you know that, that I founded the Luminox brand uh, years ago, uh, and I owned it for 27 years. Uh, look, in life, luck counts whether it's good or bad. I got very lucky when a research uh, uh, officer with the Navy SEALs happened upon me and said, I've been looking for this technology. If you make a watch for us, you can go tell the world that you supply to the SEALs. And we did exactly that with Luminox. We also had two key partners in the Sharper Image and Cabela's that embraced the brand. And between the two of them, they put out, this was the heyday of catalogs back in the 80s. They put out 72 million catalogs a piece per year. So we were in 144 million catalogs a year showing our watch. And that's what really established Luminox. And, you know, it was, uh, it became kind of an aspirational watch for, uh, the world of law enforcement, uh, military, first responders, firefighters, these types of people. Many of them were wearing Casio's G-Shock, which has been hot as hell forever. It's a wonderful product. But that's why I say we kind of became aspirational. We were a little more expensive than that. But we managed uh, with Luminox to get up to 60 countries at one point and have a pretty solid business. Now, I left that company in 2016, which was not an easy decision. Uh, I have a son, I have a daughter, and that, and I had a watch. You know, that was another child I gave birth to. Um, but I was having philosophical differences with partners that didn't uh, see things the way I saw them. You know, my 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 mandate is top quality. Period. If I'm not making quality, I don't want to make it. It's it's just not worth it. If it costs a little more, if it takes a little more effort put out that effort and that money to make top quality. So you're proud of what you put out. In any case, I left, uh, I've done other watches. I made watches for the uh, official watches of the Hawaiian lifeguards. I made a vintage brand. I've done some cause brands, but I was really yearning to get back into what I will call my lane or my space. And that's a space that I actually created uh, at the risk of being somewhat immodest. Um, This these watches have a unique unparalleled self-powered illumination system uh, so that you can see time and read time at a glance, no matter what the light level, including complete darkness. And this uh, physicist technology existed prior to the advent of Luminox, but it was really in military applications primarily. It was in gun sites and it was in uh, a couple of watch 
brands that were smaller brands and really supplying only to the military. So the feather of my cap was I took this loom tech and I brought it en masse to the consumer market. And that's what I'm, that's when I say my lane, that's the lane I'm back in. I mean, no sooner had I launched Luminox when we had a dozen or more brands coming behind us saying, we could do this too. Hey, we could do this. So we created a category of, I'll call it tactical timepieces. Um, and, and I've been out of that category for five and a half years. And I just, frankly, I don't want to say I was a fish out of water. I'm still making very high quality timepieces for the price, but I wanted to get back to where from whence I came. That's what I was about. And so I went back to this type of watch, but this time my, the way I'm terming it is no excuses, no compromises. I'm making this watch the best way I know how to make it with, I don't care if it costs a little more to use a sapphire crystal, to use genuine rubber straps, to have higher depth ratings. I don't care. I want it to be optimal. And so that's what we've done with this brand. It is a little, a little higher price. Most of the watches are in the 500 range. Uh, so it's not a bank breaker by any means. Um, but, you know, when you put more features in, you pay more for those features and it ends up going to retail. And I got very, again, I got lucky. Uh, very much like the Navy SEAL situation. I had been in conversation with the United States Marines and we were very fortunate that they asked me to send some samples of watches to them for them to evaluate. And after evaluation, they said, you're in, you will be our halo watch. So we are now uh, noted and, and we've now received this uh, honor to be an official watch of the United States Marines. And we're very proud of it. And you should be quite a feather in your cap. Yeah. Well, Barry, Great we appreciate stuff. you. I, well, I'm, I've got a selfish question here, David. Real quick, well, I know you got one, one minute, man, because I got Donnie in, one, in the waiting. I know. Yeah, yeah, Donnie's in the wings here. I'm a scuba diver. How deep will this watch take me? Okay, we have a carbon composite dive watch that's 300 meters. We have a steel dive watch that that's 200 meters, and we have a titanium field watch that's 100 meters. All watches are tested in both air and liquid. Most companies do, don't do that, but we want to make darn sure that it's watertight before it leaves. And we're just, uh, yeah. uh, David, if we're on a short time span, I want to just mention one thing if I can. We're running a Kickstarter right now. We did one Kickstarter on the carbon composite back in May. I did it not to fund the campaign. We're funding it. I did it to cast a wide net and it worked. We got orders from 17 countries and requests to become distributors in various nations. So that's mission accomplished. We're doing a second one right now on the steel dive watches that ends August 12th, I believe. And on that, you just, if you go to kickstarter.com and key in protect P R O T E K, you will see two of them. Uh, the first one was the 1000 series, but it's not that it's the 2000 series and it is available by the way. The name has a meaning. Pro is for those professionals I'm referring to, those first responders and law enforcement in particular. Tech is for the illumination technology that is unsurpassed, glows on its own 25 years, no need for light to hit it. And our target market is those that protect us. It's a little bit of a word pun, if, if you will. I love it. Uh, you're always on... The cutting edge, my friend, Barry, and I know the quality of care and customer service that you give along with it as well, beyond the quality of the product, is why I love having you on. Don't be a stranger. Uh, I'm still looking for my bar mitzvah gift, so send it on over. Maybe we'll buy Donnie one. <laughs> hey, watch, Engineer here, friend. too. 
And uh, congratulations. That's all I have to say. I really love the fact that you're using Kickstarter to raise awareness, yeah. not necessarily to raise money, because I think a lot of people don't see that. And when you do, you get an extraordinary benefit. So congratulations. Check out ProTech Watch. That's P-R-O-T-E-K watch.com right below there in the, the notes. So appreciate it, Barry. Great to see you. Barry, and- great to meet you. Congrats. Thank you, Blaine. Thank you, David. I'll be sending watches for the bar mitzvah. All right. Love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, I've been wearing these watches for years. I got the brands all loaded up. It's quite a day on my notes, man. I wish I had that uh, information about the um, Kickstarter because that's super clever. That's, uh, I don't see, yeah, I don't that, see that, that often. I like that. Yeah, very. He, it's just high. He's a high quality person. Just in uh, yeah. my, my atmosphere, they call Barry Cohen a mensch. He, he is a mensch. mensch he's a, good, yes. yep. a very good person. All right. Speaking of mensches, he may not be Jewish, but he certainly is a mensch. Uh, Donnie Starkins <laughs> is in the house. He's a spiritual gangster. He yeah. Is spiritual what's up, guys? He's, hey. he's one of my best friends, life coach, teacher, speaker. Great podcast. And guess who's launching season two with Donnie Starkins and Darren Waller, the amazing football player for the, the Raiders. Uh, guess who that is, Blaine? That would probably be you. Two thumbs and two ears right here. The man, we had one of the best interviews I've ever done. I wasn't surprised. From the Blue Wire Studios in the lobby of the win, which uh, I share there, there with uh, Donnie and Darren. Um, but welcome to Office Hours, Donnie. Thanks. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. And I'm getting blown up with positive feedback about your interview today. I think, uh, you know, we had leading up to your interview, we kind of had this set questions, these 10 questions that we asked everybody and we went off script and we just let it flow. And it was a good takeaway from us because especially just hearing the feedback from everybody else, just saying how fluid and how um, meaningful the conversations were that we had that day. I kept on telling Donnie Blaine, I said, this stuff doesn't work unless you cry, buddy. So, you know, let it all come out. <laughs> and I, I, I'm a crier. I got Donnie to cry. I got Darren to tear up. Yeah. I mean, he might even cry, but it is a powerful podcast and uh, just a pleasure to be on. All right. I kind of cut wow. off Blaine. I'm going to let Blaine ask this first question. Go ahead, Blaine. Well, no, uh, I've been in the personal development space since 19, no, good Lord, 1974. I think not to date myself, but uh, I've been playing this game for a long time. Um, you know, the, the, the shift, transformational coaching. You've got a personal development coaching program here. Talk a little bit about that, Donnie, because I'm very interested in you know, just kind of the 90-day structure of this. And I'm keying in on the word transformational because that's a very meaningful word to me. Yeah, so I think for me that word shift has always been super meaningful and um, I think a lot of people, um, including myself at one point in my life, was very stuck. I was stuck in an addiction and I was stuck in an old narrative and an old story of victimization and everybody's out to get me and nobody understands. And at some point, something had to change, right? And you, you brought up the word transformation where you know I believe that true transformation happens from the inside out. So the shift is about being the stand for transformation. I think so many people are waiting for the world to change or waiting for the right situation or the right circumstance to take a step forward. And it's like, no, it's like, be the change you want to see in the world. If you want change, make it happen yourself. And then it's the action that creates transformation. And I just think having the structure of having a coach 
that that is going to keep you accountable, right? Because I think accountability is, is is everything. And the more layers of accountability you have, the more likely you are to follow through. And without accountability, people just end up getting more of what they don't want. Yep, absolutely. And the idea, you know, inside out, that's all it is. Transformation. People, they think that if I just do something different, I've transformed. You don't do something different and transform. You have to be different in order for transformation to actually be exhibited. You have to be different. And that's the key here. And I love the, you know, the spiritual gangster. I'm going to cut my eye immediately. Because uh, I, I see business as a spiritual discipline. It truly is. I think it's probably one of the greatest spiritual dojos I have ever, ever played in. You know, the, 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 this, this domain of business. Because I have to transform continuously. Because success is always an ongoing. It's not a static place. I've got, you know, so if I'm not growing... I'm not growing my business. If I'm not growing, I'm not growing my business. And that's the key here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's, you know, either expanding or contracting. Right. And if we're not, I mean, the evolution of our souls and you talk about spiritual gangster, this is a, it's funny. This is a clothing line that one of my close friends back in Arizona started. He's a great mind entrepreneur. His name's Ian Lopatin. And, uh, really blew this brand up. He was brought one of the first yoga studios into Phoenix that played more of the edgier hip hop music and kind of changed the dynamics of what yoga could look like. And then the band, the, 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 the brand itself just kind of blew up. But I think a spiritual gangster, you know, some people will come up to me and go like, what is that? Is that some type of cult? And then other people will go, Jesus was a spiritual gangster. So it can gangster. mean anything. I think sometimes when you stack the word, spiritual below the spiritual. word gangster it gets people's wheels turning a little bit which that's the point yeah that it's is like exactly psycho bunny or my brand ferocious buddha i love it the spiritual gangster yeah. but donnie you know your podcast is the comeback stories right and you have three people between darren yourself and i uh that lived in a world of punishment you know like anytime anything bad had ever happened to us we felt punished and therefore we uh, through that punishment, decided to utilize bad behavior in order to compensate for bad perce perception. Um, and all of us went through our own spiritual gangster shift of transformation, uh, leading to huge success, right? I mean, Darren Waller is one of the greatest NFL stars that it plays today. You're leading the way in personal development and just have made remarkable impact on so many, so many people in the world. Um, and yet we spoke about that, the transformation from being punished to a mindset of being promoted, uh, protected. Uh, and it is a story that we tell ourselves. And how were you able to, uh, not only for yourself, but for other people, shift that paradigm from being punished to being protected and promoted? Great question. I think everything changed for me the moment I took ownership, when I took ownership from my life and I stopped blaming everybody else and the doctor who screwed me over and overprescribed me and talked me into having this surgery and all of these things, it was like I was blaming everybody else instead of taking ownership for my life. And the moment that I did, it's like taking personal responsibility for the life that you want to have. And that's actually how we take our power back instead of giving our power away to the people that screwed us over or did us wrong. At some point I had to bring, you know, bring in acceptance, acceptance of where I was at in my life. It doesn't mean I have to like it. it doesn't mean some of the things that happened weren't fair, messed up, but I do have to accept that they happen. 
so that I can really move forward. And looking back, it's like, it's not the event that happens. It's the meaning we attach to it. And you, you brought up the word perception, right? So then as we start to transform our, our belief system and how we see the world and how we see ourselves in the world starts to change. So to answer your question, it's it, everything changed when I just took ownership for my life. Yeah, it's interesting. I took on that idea of accountability by saying, what did I do to participate in the perception? And what am I supposed to learn from it? And instead of even what did I do to attract this to myself, which is more in the law of attraction, and what am I supposed to learn from it? There was an inherent, you know, almost punishment that I'm doing something to attract this instead of participating in a perception and that guise of accountability, that perception of accountability has helped me take ownership by utilizing the word participation in a perception, still seeking a lesson, of course, because we want to expand and grow and, and be promoted by the lessons that we learn. But uh, Blaine, go, go ahead. Well, keep on. There we go. There we go. Now keep on messing with your, your mic. Yeah, I think I've got background noise here. But um, yeah, the idea of perception and shifting. One of the key perceptive shifts that I have uh, you know, made probably 35, 40 years ago was that there's nobody out there and there's no thing out there except me. I'm always experiencing myself. And you know, when, you take a, you know, when you take that perspective, I'm always experiencing myself. It's just an outsourcing of an internal consciousness you can't not have ownership. And, you know, it takes blame out of the process. It welcomes inquiry. It brings in curiosity. Yeah, and it, you know, there's literally a deeper dive that begins to occur where I begin to un, 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 unfurl more of myself in the process. So, you know, that idea of ownership is absolutely crucial to fulfilling life. Like David's David's uh, word, participate. It's like participate in your own rescue, right? And in, if you're in victim mode, right, you're not. You're blaming. You can't take ownership. At the moment that you drop that, what people don't understand is that's when you actually reclaim your power. When you finally stop giving your power away to things outside of you and um, take personal responsibility to live the life that you want to live and. This word freedom, I have it on my, my intent bracelet on my uh, wrist. And it's that, that word freedom just runs so deep for me, obviously being sober and being so far from free in the depths of my addiction. And today it's, it's the freedom, my willingness to do the work, my willingness to serve and help others is really contingent. It's like in alignment with freedom. If I can serve, if I'm going to do the work, I can be free. And it's not really freedom. Uh, for myself, it's freedom from myself. And what better way than to help others, all right? That's the quickest way out of self-pity or in a funk is just to go help others. And it still kind of blows my mind today that my past addiction and some of the terrible decisions that I made and, you know, the pain I put my family through can actually help other people. It's the coolest thing in the world that I can actually, yeah. and, and, you know, there's no shame anymore. And even if there's like thoughts of it of some of the things I did, it all goes away when I just share my story. Yeah, I know that so many people are already participating in your story and you already have paid the dummy tax for them that they're participating in a different way in your story. And that's what the comeback stories are about. That's what you and Darren are about. That's why I'm just honored to be a part of that podcast and want everyone to really elevate and shift by listening to the podcast. 
also reaching out to you. You have an extraordinary 90-day program. There's nobody that knows more about personal development than Blaine Bartlett. And uh, he uh, thinks the highest uh, of your own mindfulness and your mindset, as he has a mindset mastermind as well. So Donnie, man, everybody check him out. Continue to listen and download uh, the comeback stories uh, of Darren Waller with Donnie Starkins, DonnieStarkins.com. He's a life coach, a teacher, a speaker, and a podcast host, obviously, but most importantly, he's my friend. Join me anytime and let me know how I can be of service. Thank you so much for everything you do for Stay me, here. David. I appreciate you. You help me more than you'll ever know. And Lane, it's good chatting it up with you again. You bet, buddy. You take care. Look forward to talking again. Congrats. Congrats, Donnie. Go enjoy the beach behind you. Blaine's showing off, but I know you got a beach as well. So Donnie lives on the beach. He, he has the same view. He's, he changed his setting. He's he's trying to make me feel good I'm stuck in a closet. But anyway, thank <laughs> you. Guys. See you guys. Okay, take care. Unbelievable, Donnie Stark is all right, my friend. From Hawaii, what's the takeaway of the day? From Hawaii, well, the, the takeaway from the day is Hawaii is gorgeous, as is the rest of life. Life is always good. It always is good. Even when I wake up grumpy, I look outside and it just gets better. As long as I keep my focus on life is good, shit happens. I mean, it does. <laughs> it just happens. But it's not who I am. It's just something I get to play with. So, yeah, I, I, I like Donnie's point here. Yeah, participate, and this is the one that you made in particular here. Participating. Participation is the way you get through anything. You just participate in it. Don't I resist it. it. Participate in it. Participation of that perception, and for me, it's tied into the participation of our perception by giving meaning to everything that we see. And you said it right there from Hawaii, how blessed we are, how happy we are, and uh, how you can write your own story by giving it the meaning that we see. And all I see is beauty and friendship and love when I see you. And you're a wonderful bride who changes so many lives as you do. Everybody join Blaine Bartlett, Mindset Mastermind. Check out my dear friend and mentor. He is changing lives, not just within my company, but within the world. Blaine Bartlett, thank you. Go enjoy your holiday. <laughs> you bet. Talk to you later, David. Hey, you we need to talk soon, too, by the way. There you go. Give me a call. I'll circle back. Okay. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> awesome. He's amazing. Check it out. Mindset Mastermind. BlaineBartlett.com. All right, everyone. That may be one of my favorite episodes. Just, uh, just a bunch of menches and, and unbelievable people on here. And uh, I'm stuck in a closet, but I love it. I give meaning to my closet that I never uh, have ever thought. I'm the man who went back into the closet. That's me, David Meltzer. You can email me, david at dmeltzer.com. Remember, most importantly, especially today on Thankful Thursday, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Check out our podcast with Donnie Starkins. Uh, we are all grateful, especially for Matt, especially Matt being here every week. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys later. Take care. See you tomorrow. Peace. <laughs>